Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 582. In jungle, only strong survive. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest and a fellow podcaster, David Nutter. David, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am indeed, Mark. Let's drop her in the first and let the clutch out, buddy. (laughs) All right. Great. Spin the tires. David Nutter's from Arlington, Vermont, where he's the producer and host of Hemmings Motor News radio show and podcast. The show's focused on talking with fellow automotive enthusiasts. Boy, that sounds familiar, being here at Cars Yeah. He's been with Hemmings for over 11 years as an account representative and spent 20 years prior in the automotive parts business. David's an avid classic car enthusiast, and he spends a lot of time with his 1966 Mustang, active in the classic car hobby and community. David, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, I guess I can go back to uh, to marrying my wife 40 years ago in 1975, right out of high school, Mark. Wow, and, congratulations. Well, you know, I, 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 live, I was lucky enough to live through an era when the cars were just cool as heck, of course, all the mid to late 60s cars and and when we got married, I had a 1969 Plymouth Satellite Convertible. She had a 66 Valiant and suggested that it would be more economical if we were to rid ourselves of my convertible. Hey. But anyway. <laughs> Wait uh, a minute. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> well, if the marriage lasted through that, then there must have been some other good stuff behind it. Well, you know, you know, there had to be love involved there, yeah, you know, because as I sit back and scratch my head on that. But yes, indeed, I've uh, been lucky enough to, uh, to been with the same gal for 40 years. Actually, years ago, and when we first got married in the radio business, at a little station in Saratoga Springs, New York, called Cub WKAJ AM, and worked there for three years. And then as our family started to grow, uh, so did the need for some additional finances, so I moved on and uh, started working full-time as a in an automotive warehouse. So that was kind of my foray into the world of automotive, other than, of course, loving cars as a kid. From there, I went to uh, work there for 10 years, moved on to a local Ford dealership in upstate New York, worked my way up to the Ford manager and was there for 20 years. And finally, 
was lucky enough to make my way to the mecca of car collector hobbyist Hemmings Motor News, and that's where I've been for the last 11 years and loving life. Well, I can only imagine I've been a Hemmings subscriber since I don't know when. I mean, I get the Bible, as we call it, every month. A lot of your other publications enjoy what you're doing with Hemmings Radio and Podcast, and I'm just thrilled to have you here. And uh, as I say, I'll learn a little bit from the pro here and from you being in the business a little bit longer than I have. So, well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. I like to ask my guests for some sort of inspirational thought or mantra that they live by. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, David, take the wheel. Well, you know, my dad was a fellow that used to like watch old movies, and he always used to pick up these quotes and make me uh, read them back as he dictated them to me. One of his favorites uh, when I was growing up was watching the old Tarzan movies with, with Johnny Weissmiller. Oh, yeah. And one of the favorite quotes, Mark, was, In jungle, only strong survive. <laughs> you know, I've never really forgotten that, and that definitely kind of holds true to real life. So you kind of have to really be able to... Uh, to get in there and uh, to get ready to get gritty and dirty in order to move forward and succeed. And uh, and that saying has never left me. So, And it is very true. And sometimes fortunately, sometimes unfortunately. But you have to be a player, as they say. Well, absolutely. And tell me a little bit about how you've incorporated that quote into your life. Because I understand that uh, you were doing actually your, your full-time or daytime job or part-time full-time job there is an, as an account rep. So now you started doing the radio, the podcast. Uh, how did you get wrangled into that? Well, actually, I volunteered for it, um, to be honest with you. I, uh, I had a connection here with the local radio station. Uh, it's a community radio station, the only station here in beautiful Bennington, Vermont. It's WBTN-AM. Uh, they were owned by a local college, and then it was, uh, it was uh, taken over by a local group of concerned citizens that uh, had an opportunity to uh, to take over the station before it went to the wayside by the college, mm-hmm. and they were looking for additional programming. So I stepped up to the plate with my son. We uh, we both had some radio experience, and we decided to do a weekly music show featuring music from the 60s to the 90s. Uh, I played the 60s and 70s oldies. He played the 80s and 90s. We actually even featured a song called The Dumpster each week where we would pick out a popular song that we both disliked and wondered <laughs> why it was there. <laughs> Needless to say, Mark, we received a lot of phone calls and a lot of a lot of questions on some of our choices. You know, when you get in there and you start picking apart songs like Lucille or MacArthur's Park, you may get a response. Yeah. But anyway, I kind of uh, I, I started that as a jumping-off point, and, and working at Hemmings and being involved in the collector car hobby, I always thought that would be just a great fit to have some Hemmings Motor News Radio. So I approached the uh, president and publisher, Jim Minetto of Hemmings, and uh, brought the idea to his attention, let him mull it over, laid out my plan, told him what I was thinking about, and uh, he gave me the go-ahead. So in the evenings when I leave my job as a ad salesman, I wing my way over to the radio station and uh, hook up with folks like you and do interviews just like you. I am lucky enough, Mark, on the other side of the coin, to be able to pick on some great editors on our staff that uh, you know are just a wealth of automotive information. So I kind of have my own group of interviewees on staff. So that makes it a little easier for uh, me in most cases. Yeah, I think so because I tell you, keeping up with a five-day-a-week show and chasing people all over the world to be guests on my show, yeah, it's a full-time job. But I love the 
the way that only the strong survive is incorporated into what you do because you saw another opportunity, another path there while you were at work and said, hey, I'll raise my hand. I'll do that. Way to expand the Hemings voice out there in a different way. I think that's fantastic. Let's go back in time and uh, have you share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Tell me about that pivotal moment when you realized or you said to yourself, uh-oh, I'm a car guy. You know, I've always been a car guy to a to to a fault uh, ever since I was a young guy as far as driving and admiring and, and being lucky enough to have friends that had all the coolest cars of the 60s. But I think when when I really got hit by the car hammer, as they say, was when I was working at the Ford dealership I was at in upstate New York. It was a, a cold November morning. And you know how it is, Mark, when you drag yourself to a job every day and you pull into the parking lot and you kind of trunge into work. Well, one morning I pulled in, and, of course, working at a car dealership, all the cars are nicely lined up, including all the used cars. And there, backed up against the building, was a very odd-looking grill staring at me from a 1965 Thunderbird. Mm. And this Thunderbird was rolled out about 12 feet from its parking spot. So as soon as the owner got there, I called to his attention and said, gee, it looks like we have a little activity here in the, uh, you know, in the parking lot overnight. And we pushed it back, and the next morning I came in, and sure enough, the car was about 12 feet out again. Well, we, we, we surmised that that particular model car had what they call a swing-away steering wheel. Uh-huh. And if you didn't swing it and lock it in place, the darn thing might just roll ahead. Well, the second morning when I come in, I looked at that car, and at first I thought, gee, what an odd-looking grill. And then, for whatever reason, I got hit by Cupid's arrow, and all of a sudden, it was the most beautiful car I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what happened, but I had to have that car. So, Well, that's pretty funny. The car would roll out. You know, I never, I remember the swing-out steering wheel, and I've seen that on some of those cars, but I didn't realize that if it wasn't locked into place, the car might move. So I'm sure that was something the engineers didn't want to have happen, and they probably... uh stopped building that steering wheel but isn't it funny how when you look at a car over and over and you you have a vision of it and then one day you look at it a little different and it looks like a different car i love the fact that cupid is struck yeah and you know the styling of those cars as compared to you know what we're used to today and i don't mean to down any of the vehicles that are produced but something about jumping into your average uh camry or taurus or whatever the case may be it doesn't impress you like jumping into the front seat of a 66 Thunderbird yeah. when the console is all chrome and you can barely stand the sun shining as you're driving down the road. Quite an interesting-looking spaceship. Nowadays, kind of cookie-cutter. Kind of. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, those cars were absolutely spectacular. Uh, when I was a little boy, I had an aunt, Aunt Jenny, and she had a Thunderbird. And I just remember going over to her house at Thanksgiving or special trips and looking at that same front grill and just going, man, this thing is so different. It's just so different. She'd let me sit in it and pretend like I was driving. And I uh, just remember that beautiful interior. And yeah, very special cars. Well, David, what I would like to do is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, crawl into the hood, get her hands a little dirty here and have you share a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way? But of course, the most important part of this, like all the past 581 guests I've had here on Cars, yeah, is how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? Well, there's been many challenges throughout uh, my life, and I'm sure just like everyone else's life, 
some very personally challenging, um, some not as much as others, but I'm not sure how to address that, to be honest with you, Mark. Um, there have been some medical issues in my family where we, uh, we've we had to uh, get through those. Mm-hmm. So, gee whiz. Uh, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. To be totally honest with you, I, I've um, I've had some challenges from a very young age right out of the gate. And, and let's just talk about career challenges. Okay. Before I graduated from high school, I was I was in the spring of my senior year going to radio school at night. That in itself was a challenge, uh, trying to be a high school student and yet still at the same time focusing on what I considered my future career. Right. So that it was kind of challenging going to night school and high school, but but by the time graduation came and I was. Uh, it was the day of uh, practice for graduation. I was at the post office, and there was my FCC letter telling me that I had passed my my test for my license, which which meant yes, indeed, you can move on to this career. But at the same time, when I got through that, and I, and I must be kind of a, a crazy kind of guy, but I also have been very involved in in organizations from the time I was a teenager, whether it was the local church organization or softball or some some of some type of organization where I donated my time. Mm-hmm. I became very involved in, and wanted to get involved in politics at a young age. So I kind of parlayed the experience I took from, from uh, going to school, night school and high school at the same time, and moved on into the area of politics. So at the ripe age of, oh gosh, I think I was 22 years old when I was first elected mayor of Skadiko. You were, you were, no, wait a minute. You were elected a mayor of a town at 22 years old? Yeah, actually at that time, back in the very early 80s, I was the youngest mayor in New York State. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I learned really quick, Mark, why all the older guys always seem to be on the, uh, the boards, as they say, <laughs> the village boards. <laughs> because they were the fellows that had the time to deal with that kind of stuff. Right. But I had actually served a, 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 a two, two terms as councilman. I think I was elected at 18 or 19 to start out as a councilman and then ran for mayor and was elected at 22 and served uh, a term. Wow. And did very well and proud to say that I left the village with a surplus and a new fire truck, so everything worked <laughs> out well. Yeah. <laughs> the residents all survived and... Uh, and I moved on and retired from politics by the time I was 30. So Smart guy. <laughs> yeah, you can only imagine that uh, between that and uh, trying to uh, to raise four children with my wife and my poor wife. Of course, she was the first lady, as they say, and received <laughs> yeah. all the phone calls during the day. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, there were many challenges along the way. And just uh, making it through all of that and on the other side to uh, almost 60 years old, I think... Uh, just about did it, you know. Yeah, I bet. Well, let's share a little something with those listeners out there because you you cited a similar situation that a lot of people are going through. They're trying to maybe get a career going. They're trying to get a second career going. A lot of our listeners out there at Cars yeah, are sidepreneurs, wantapreneurs, wannabepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs, people that are trying to do multiple things, juggle lots of balls. So What's a great takeaway, one takeaway you can share with those listeners who are struggling with managing a lot of different things going on in their life? One thing that you did that helps you get through all of those uh, crazy, hairy times. You know what? I think a lot of it, Mark, is trying to prioritize all of the different things that you're facing, whether it be your your part-time business, your full-time job. You have to know 
where to put things in priority and how to attack them and be and be very systematic about it. I have found that uh, sometimes, of course, you get so many things going at once and you find yourself just floating in the air. But if you sit down with a piece of paper and start writing down all of the things and then organizing them, you know, into what needs to be handled right away and what your priorities and goals are, then uh, I've, I've found that that's always worked really well well for me, just setting a goal and shooting for it. Absolutely. The prioritizing is so important. And even better, uh, what I've learned is knowing what to say no to. Because when you say yes to everything, that means you're saying no to some other things that might be time better spent. So thanks for sharing that. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Would you share one of those career aha moments? It's a moment in time when a new path kind of unveils itself or the headlights come on and kind of show you a new way. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. You know, I kind of touched on that earlier. (laughs) When I was uh, working at Hemmings one day and was uh, dealing with working at here, volunteering at the radio station and their need for more quality programming, you know, Hemmings and Bennington is uh, is one of the major employers and, and and has been here for decades and is highly thought of as it is throughout the entire world in the car collector hobby. But it's just a lot of fun for the local citizens of Bennington to be able to be more part of the of our business and our hobby. So when the word got around that they were looking for ideas for new shows and new direction. I was sitting there going through the pages of the latest Hemmings Motor News, and I thought, you know what, each of these pages is just a perfect match and something I'm sure that the car collector crowd would just love to hear expanded upon. Right. So that was my original thought, was the, was the aha moment to say, hey, you know what, Hemmings Motor News will translate very nicely into Hemmings Motor News Radio. It's just a great way, and I find it very satisfying to reach out to the clubs across America to give them a platform to talk about their upcoming meets or, or, their, or what they're doing to, uh, to push membership and to try to get more people involved in the hobby. Very cool. I love that. Now, how about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many. You've been in the car business for a long time, but is there one in particular that stands out that you'd like to share? You know what, Mark, to be totally honest with you, I think one of my proudest career moments, and I'm sure my family has other things that they look to, but as far as when I think of things, I, my proudest moment, I think, was, was having the fortitude to, at 49 years old, decide to change careers. Mm. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life mm-hmm. because I was leaving something that was very uh, stable. I was I was working for a great uh, company, Jack Byrne Ford in Mechanicville, New York. We had a great relationship. They loved me. I loved them. They hated to see me go. I hated to go. But at the same time, my draw towards the uh, collector car hobby, which, you know, I was doing car shows with my T-Bird and, and living that uh, summer lifestyle up here in the Northeast, that I, I wanted to make that change, and, and I really wanted to work at Hemmings. So I went home and explained to my wife what my plans were, and, of course, being a great gal as she is, she supported me all the way, and I reached out to the uh, president publisher who just happened to live in the country uh, up in Arlington near my home. And we used to go to the same country store for coffee, and I happened to stop him one day and, and asked him about the possibility. And, and uh, as things turned out, and several interviews later, 
here I am. So <laughs> I, I guess that's probably the proudest moment in my own personal career development was have, having the fortitude to be able to take that step and not be afraid. You know, kudos to you for doing that. And for those listeners out there that uh, wish they were having fun with cars every day like we are, there's a great example that it can happen. You can do it. Take those steps. Take those bold steps. Of course, you might want to do a little planning in advance just to make sure from a financial standpoint you don't strap yourself or your family, but it's possible. And here's it a great example. Yeah, it absolutely is. Let's have a little bit of fun here and go back in time. I'd love for you to share your first really special car. And he talked about that convertible that your your wife, uh, so uh, I'm not sure how to put that. Your wife told you maybe it was best to keep her car and not yours. Let's reword told, Mark, and just call it suggest. Because, <laughs> all right? She suggested, and, and I heeded. Well, you know, it's funny. Back in the uh, early 70s when I was waiting for my driver's license, my father uh, was a state New York State trooper, retired uh, 20 years. Uh, uh, he was in the service mm-hmm. or in the force. And uh, he was always kind of a car guy. He always had neat cars. And my older brother was uh, just joining the Navy. So in 72, my dad ordered a new Charger, Dodge Charger SE. Cool. And my brother decided that he couldn't have that. Uh, he couldn't have his old car at home. So he decided to order a Challenger, a 1972 Dodge Challenger. So I was lucky enough to inherit his 1966 Ford Galaxy 500 equipped with the 289 V8 that my grandmother beat me at a dead stop in a 50-yard run with her walker. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) to say, um, I was lucky enough to have that car sitting in my carport long before I had my license. So I uh, I was ready to go long before I was legally ready to go. So that car just stared me in the face for six months. That, because it was my first car, is my favorite car. And i got to tell you, Mark, there's nothing like jumping in that car for the first time as a licensed driver when you're a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. Talk about freedom, huh? (laughs) Well, in that car, the Ford Galaxy 500 kind of reminds me of my first car, which was a 67 Chevy Nova. They kind of were competing in the same space. Mine did not have the big fancy engine. had a little uh, straight six, I believe, in it and didn't go that fast either, but... uh, yeah, there's nothing like that freedom of that first car, absolutely. Well, and, of course, I say big, fancy engine with tongue-in-cheek because that darn thing just couldn't get out of its own way. <laughs> Mine neither. Probably best for us when we're 16. But a great first car to have. No yeah, doubt. absolutely. Well, how about the sad tale of seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Well, I would have to say, Mark, sadly enough, it's the car that we have touched on, that 69 satellite convertible. Ah, and it was just a few years back that I was looking for a car, um, and I decided that maybe I would try to find that particular car again. And unfortunately, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, very limited production numbers for back then. Hmm. And of course, when you equate that in a car collector hobby into today's terms, you're talking about a car that's valued a little bit out of my price range. Yeah, that's always the case, isn't it? Well, especially with limited production cars, so... Well, at least you got to have one at one part of your life. You were a caretaker, as we all are with these vehicles, so that's good. And that's a great point that you brought up, Mark, is being a caretaker, because that's how I feel about the classics that I've owned. I've never felt that I'm actually the owner, but just the fellow that's taking care of it for the next guy. Yep, absolutely. Now, how about a project you're working on today? What has you really fired up and excited today there at Hemmings? 
Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of things going on at Hemmings and being a car guy that, that just make me really fired up and exciting. Uh, I guess right now I am, I am still in the progress of working on my 66 Mustang. When I took over uh, ownership of the vehicle, it was sitting in a garage with a blown transmission and wouldn't budge. But uh, we've got that out. We had a tranny rebuilt. Now I'm into my second summer with it, and uh, now I'm just kind of doing the fun stuff, which is going into the interior and taking off the things like the sill plates or swapping out uh, some chrome pieces just to spiffer up a little bit. And there's nothing that fires me up more than the making a car better than it was when I started. Oh, yeah. Now, that car that you have, is it white? It is indeed white yeah. with a red in, red interior with the pony interior. Oh, cool. Very cool. You know, I had a, a Mustang for a short time. It was a 66 GT350 Shelby. Ooh. It was a clone, so it wasn't the real deal, but it was built by a friend of mine and his father. His father had been working at Ford back in the day when Carroll Shelby was building the real cars, and he got all the real parts way back then and put them in his garage, chucked them away, and years later, he and his son built this car, and I bought it and drove it to work every day for two years. It was oh, it's a great, fun car, 289. The thing just sounded awesome, and I'd take it to car shows, and nobody could tell it wasn't the real thing. It had so many authentic parts, but uh, those old Mustangs, you're everybody's friend when you drive an old Mustang, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's America's collector car. It really is. It's mo It's probably one of the, if not the, most iconic collector car as far as recognition goes. Yeah. And especially that first generation, or at least the first and second in that late '60s era. Uh, just, a, just a fantastic car to own and drive. And you know what? The best part for me, and and I've owned some different collector cars over the years, is the availability of parts. It just makes owning that car just so darn easy to keep it pristine. Absolutely. They're fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, David. If you were a car, what kind of car would David be and why? If I was a car, David would probably be a Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Cool. It's just a big old boat with a lot of steel, <laughs> and they tend to hold up fairly well. The bodies might be a little dinged up and dented up, and the interior might be a little wore out like me, yeah. but you know what? They're survivors, and those cars, you just can't seem to get to beat them. <laughs> Great car. I think you're the first one of those here on Cars, yeah, so very well said. Well, David, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal... Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website 
at carsyeah.com. Okay, David, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received was from my father during my first lesson on how to change oil. And he looked up at me and said, if you take care of it, it will take care of you. (laughs) Absolutely. Will you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? I would say to never give up and to always look forward and shoot for goals that are attainable, even though they don't seem like they would be. And I've been lucky enough, Mark, over the years to prove that to myself. Ah, great advice. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources out there, but could you share one with the listeners that you think they would enjoy? Well, I'm kind of biased, and being a (laughs) car collector hobby nut, I think one of the best resources is to go to Hemmings.com, H-E-M-M-I-N-G-S. There's so much information, whether you're looking about information on a restoration project that you're involved in or looking to seek out clubs for advice. It's all on there. If you're into cars, that's the place to be. And if you want to listen to a great car show, you want to listen to Cars Yeah, and when you're done with that, you go to Hemmings Motor News Radio, all on iTunes. Well, thank you for that plug. That was very kind of you. But you're right, Hemmings is an awesome resource, and every time the Hemmings uh, news shows up in my mailbox, my wife rolls her eyes and says, I guess I won't be seeing you for a couple hours, and I go sit in my favorite chair and just start going through the pages, and ah, so much great stuff. So you and your team, all the folks there at Hemmings are doing Absolutely fantastic work, as it always has been. Now, how about a book? There's lots of great books out there, but would you share one with our listeners that maybe you've read recently that you've really enjoyed? Well, if if you would indulge me, Mark, I'd like to share two books if I'd be allowed to do that. Absolutely. Well, the the current book that I am almost done with and currently reading that I would highly recommend to your listeners is a book that's called Extreme Motoring, Alaska's Finest First Automobiles and Their Dauntless Drivers. The author is Nancy DeWitt. What a great car. What a great car book, Mark. It's just so hard to believe the fortitude when you and I talk about moving ahead against adversity. Mm -hmm. That's the book you want to read. These people were just downright crazy. They would literally (laughs) take these cars down. Well, there's one picture in the book that shows them loading a Model T onto two boards that are laying across two canoes. Oh, my gosh. And they're floating it down a river. <laughs> Amazing book. But, wow. but to read the stories about what these people went through and the cars that they brought to Alaska at the turn of the century is just amazing. Wow. So I would highly recommend that. And on a non-automotive level, probably one of my favorite books of all time and probably one you've never heard of, it's called Call Me Lumpy, My Leave It to Beaver Days and Other Wild Hollywood Life by Frank Bank. And if you're an old guy like me and watch Leave it to Beaver, he was lumpy on Leave it to Beaver. Oh, my gosh. I'd I'd never heard of that book. I remember lumpy. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you some great stories in there. And just one thing, being a car guy that I chuckle about, is that he, you know, of course, back in the day, uh, Wally, which was, of course, Beaver's older brother, was Lumpy's friend, and they were teenagers. And in real life, after they were working, they would jump in their car and stick Jerry Mathers, the beaver, in the back seat, and he was what they called the chick magnet. <laughs> so there you go. So 
So Wally, Wally and Lumpy weren't too dumb after all. I no, guess. no, kind of like having a puppy. You know, the puppies exactly. always attract the pretty girls. So <laughs> exactly. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources on David's very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash David Nutter. That's N-U-T-T-E-R. And you'll also find these books listed in a place on Carsyad website called Guest Recommended Books, where these books in the past 581 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, David, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but money is no object. I'll pick any car out of the Hemmings Motor News you want or any car anywhere in the world I'm going to buy for you today. What would that vehicle be and, more importantly, why? You know, that's the greatest thing about the car collector hobby, Mark, is that, you know, when you go to a car show, there's just about every darn thing you could ever imagine. So you get to see things that you love and things that you don't. Oh, yeah. And it's not necessarily the most expensive cars that turn people on. So... If I were to make my pick, I would love to have in my garage, and I would never let it go, a 1963 Studebaker Avante, the supercharged version, please. Oh, okay. Very unique car. Very uh, rare kind of car. I mean, it's a car you don't see around very much. What is it about the Avante that just strikes a chord with you? Well, it's exposure just like everybody else. There's always a story. When I was a young man, my older brother back in 19, oh gosh, mid-60s, was engaged to a gal, and who he was engaged to, her dad owned a Studebaker dealership. Mm. For her birthday, he gave her an Avante, and of course, being the brother of the boyfriend, I got to ride in the back seat of that car many a time, and I've never forgot it, and to, to this day, Mark, when I go to car shows, I stand there and just stare at him and just wish that I could own one. So maybe someday, maybe someday. Maybe someday. You know, at the uh, local LeBay America's Car Museum out here, uh, just down the road from where I live in Tacoma, they have the very first one that was ever built, really? the prototype there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, very cool. And Lance Lambert, who's been a guest on the show here, he has one. So uh, there's a couple of them up here in the Pacific Northwest. So what color would you like yours to be? You know, Mark, I'd be happy with a red one. A red one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like it. Very cool. Well, David, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Studebaker Avante? Most definitely. My message is take a kid to a car show. I know folks have heard that over and over super important in order to make this hobby continue there's a lot of good things to say about technology but we've got to get the kids away from those computers a little bit and stick their hand right inside of a spark plug motor something along those lines yeah absolutely you know i've been taking my son who's 22 now to car shows since he was a little little boy vintage races back when i was racing and he tells me now he just landed his first job he tells me now that all those car shows and kind of being nudged by me to go up and talk to people about their cars really helped him to learn to be good communicator and it helped him to be a good listener because i'd always tell him the same thing go ask the guy about his car maybe he'll let you sit in it and you know what he has set in more cool cars than i have he's <laughs> he has set in cars on the lawn at pebble beach he's been the passenger in vintage race cars out on tracks uh yeah so take your kid to car shows it he'll learn so much more than a passion for cars he'll learn how to communicate how to have fun and it's just a good way to spend time together with your children What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing, David? 
Well, you can check us out on our website, which is, again, Hemmings.com. We have a library there of Hemmings Motor News Radio that you can listen to 24-7. Or, such as your great show, Mark, you can go to iTunes, where folks can listen or download. And if you happen to be in beautiful downtown Bennington, Vermont, on any Saturday morning at 10 a.m., you can turn in to WBTN 1370 and hear it live, as they say, in real time. Awesome. Great. Well, again, listeners, you'll find links to everything David has been so kind to share today on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type David in the search bar and that page will pop right up. David, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yad listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks. You're welcome. Perfect, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.